Grab your Bible tonight, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew number, chapter number 26 is where we're going to be starting. We're going to be looking, uh, starting off in verse number 36. It is good to see you all here tonight. Thank you for coming out. Appreciate you being here for your faithfulness. Matthew chapter 26, let's begin in, in verse number 36. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, behold the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Let's pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look down and, and kind of break down this text a little bit because I think there's an application here that we often miss. You know, there's, there's so much you can get out of this passage here at the, the time the Lord spent with Gethsemane. But this is a, an account, remember, of what happened with Jesus and his disciples moments before he was betrayed, tried, and crucified. And I'm sure you'd agree with me that the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a very, very big event. And this is it, it's kind of life-changing, world-altering. You know, everything hinges on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, his, his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, you, you don't get much bigger than that. And the moments right before that is what we're looking at. What was Jesus doing with his disciples the same evening right before all the balls started rolling and Judas betrayed him and, and everything Jesus was taking into captivity and all, all this? You know, what, what, what was Jesus' last action here? What was he doing with his disciples right before all that event happened? First, I want you to notice who Jesus took with him. Look at verse number 36. Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So Jesus at this time, he has the 11 faithful disciples with him. Judas is already gone. He's, he's gone to go make his deal with the devil and everything. And, uh, go and uh, the, the pieces of silver to betray Jesus. And Jesus has the 11 faithful with him. And he says, okay, listen, you guys sit here. I'm going to go a little further. By the way, Peter, James, and John, you three come with me. So right here, there's already a division made. 
He leaves eight faithful disciples behind, not because they did anything wrong. God just, or Jesus just has greater plans for Peter, James, and John. He said, I'm going to go do something here. I'm going to go pray to the Father, and I don't want everybody with me on this. He said, I just want Peter, James, and John. They're, they're, they're my three closest ones. They're the ones that I trust the most. There's, there's a serious time here of prayer. I, I need some strong p- prayer partners with me. I, I need a support group here with me. I, I'm desirous to have the cream of the crop with me during this time. Peter, James, and John, that's you three. Come with me. So second, I want you to notice what happens when Jesus is alone with the three. There's something, things already start changing. He leaves the eight behind. He's got the three with him. And look in verse number 37 again. It says, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. You know what that tells me? Whenever he was with all of them as an 11, he wasn't heavy and very sorrowful. But once he gets those three apart from the group, once he's there with the cream of the crop, with the best of friends that he has, with his most faithful followers, that's whenever he starts being himself. That's whenever he can just kind of relax and and let the folks in on what's really going on. And he could just open himself up to those three. That's when he began, verse number 37, to be sorrowful and very heavy. Verse number 38, then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. I mean, he, he admits to these three, guys, listen, I've, I've, I've got something that's really weighing heavy on me. It's, it's dragging me down. I'm burdened with this. I know what's coming. I know what's going to happen to me. I know I'm going to be made sin. I know that the Father's going to turn his back on me. I know I'm going to bear all the sins of the whole world on the cross. I'm, I've, I'm heavy burdened. I've got this, this, this grief on me. And I want you to know, I'm, I'm feeling it. He said, I just, I want you to know that. He, he's being upfront and honest with them. This shows the trust that the Lord had in these three. This shows the openness and his vulnerability that the Lord has with his closest disciples here. You realize the closer you get to Jesus, the more open he seems to be with you. The more you really get to learn about him, the more you, you, you can see into his life and, and you start getting that mind of Christ that we are told to have. You can have the mind of Christ. You start thinking like Jesus Christ. With The closer you get to him, the more he starts revealing himself to you. The more you see not only his humanity, but you see his deity. And, and you just start understanding a little bit because you've got this fellowship with him. And a lot of times, especially in churches like ours, you get a closeness to the Lord that you can't have at other places. You, you can't have whenever you're just showing up once a week and it's a rock band kind of concert time and you know you got the 15-minute McSermon that you listen to and it's all about how great you are and, and, and you, the praise music is just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus singing over and over and over and, and stuff. You, you miss the depth. You, you miss... You miss whenever he is sorrowful and when he's heavy, especially when we're the cause of his sorrow and when we're the cause of his heaviness. You miss out on that if you're, if you're not willing to be one of those close disciples. But next, I want you to notice the command that Jesus gives his closest disciples right before this monumental day and this monumental event. Look at verse 38. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. 
Notice he's asking them to be with him. He doesn't say, listen, I want you guys to have your own little powwow here. I'm going to be over there. You know, we're totally separate. I just wanted you a little closer because I like your friendship or whatever. No, he said, listen, I want you to watch with me. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go a little further. Jesus always goes further than what he asks you to do. He always does more than what he expects you to do. So he's going to go a little further, but he's asking his closest disciples here, watch with me. That's all he's at. Listen, stay here. Stay where I'm putting you. Stay where I'm telling you to be. Stay right here, but I want you to watch with me. Be where I want you to be. I'm going to go a little further, but watch with me. That's that's a pretty simple command. Jesus left his closest followers to be alone with God in prayer. Verse number 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus spent the next hour in prayer, and he was alone, one-on-one with God. What did he do? He left the eight further back. He got closer to God with the three, then he left the three there. And he leaves them there, and he goes speaking one-on-one with God the Father. He says, I'm, I'm going to go and talk. He's, he spent alone time with God the Father. The three were expected to wait and to watch. Tarry ye here and watch with me. That was the command. Notice next, number four here. I, I just These numbers don't mean a whole lot, but I'll, I'll tell you as they go. Notice that when Jesus returned, he was disappointed that his three best disciples could not stay awake and watch for an hour. Verse number 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? He was only gone for an hour. You say, why could not the cream of the crop, why could not the three best, most faithful, the ones that encouraged the Lord enough, the ones that the Lord turned to in his hour of need, when he's sorrowful, when he's feeling very heavy, why could those three not wait and watch, follow the Lord's command for one hour? Say, why? I don't think it's, I think it's because they didn't know it was going to be an hour. They didn't know. Jesus didn't tell them, hey, wait and watch here an hour. If, they would, if he would have just said, listen, I'll be back. It'll just be an hour. You just stay here and watch. I bet they would have been glued, eyed on the whole time. I can wait an hour. If it's just an hour, I can wait for the Lord for an hour. I'm sure they could do that. But he didn't say wait for an hour. He said, I'm going to go talk to God. I'm going to be apart from you for a little bit. I'm going to be one-on-one with the Father. I just want you to wait here and watch. Okay. But what happened? Some part in the next hour, some time during the next hour, they go, oh, I've been watching. Oh, but he's still not coming back. Oh, it's getting late. I usually go to bed by now. James, what time do you think he's coming back? Uh, I don't know, Peter. It could be a while. Man, I, I really need to get some sleep. I don't know. You know, he's probably going to be, he he probably won't even notice. I know, I'll just take a little cat nap, you know, power nap, right? We'll be on watch. I'll get the first hour and a half. We'll split it up into two hour increments, right? Okay, let's all all sleep and we'll do this. And they didn't know when the Lord was coming back. 
but they fell asleep. They weren't disciplined enough as disciples to obey the command. This led to Jesus' disappointment. He said in verse 40, And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? I, I, was, I was just gone for an hour. These three disciples, they were the chosen ones. These were the special ones. These were the cream of the crop. They got to see Jesus real and vulnerable. They were given a special command to watch with him. Not watch for him, watch with him. And they failed. After one hour, their flesh overcame their spirit and they let Jesus down. They failed him. Notice this, though. Notice this fifth. Jesus gives them a new commandment. After he comes back, he wakes them up. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Why don't you fall asleep? Gives them a new commandment. Uh, verse 41. He says this. Watch and pray. Something's added here. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus says, listen, I, I know you guys want to be here with me. I, I know that in your spirit that you're, you're here with me. You want to be supportive with me. You know that I'm heavy. You know, you know that all these things are going on. You know something big's coming. I've been preaching about it for three and a half years. You should know what's coming. But I know you're weary. I know you're wore out. It was nice of Jesus to wake him up and say, hey, wake up. I, I, I still want you. Wake up. I'm not done with you yet. Wake up. I want you to watch. I, I asked you to watch. Watch and pray. What's the prayer for? Now you're praying to God over there where Jesus is spending time with the Lord. Now you're praying to God and saying, God, please help me not to give in to this temptation. God, help me not to succumb to this flesh that just wants to sleep. My, my flesh is tired. My flesh is weary. My flesh just, it, it's so much easier to just get comfortable and sleep instead of watch for the Lord. So Jesus says, listen, I want you to pray and I want you to watch. Pray that you don't fall into temptation, that you enter not into temptation. Now it's watch and pray, that's the new commandment, so you don't fall in temptation of some succumbing to the flesh. Sixth, notice this, after giving the new commandment, Jesus leaves again to spend time with the Father. Verse number 42. He went away again the second time. And prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. So Jesus returns again. He, he's, oh, he's alone with the Father once again, leaving his trustworthy disciples with a new commandment, saying, Okay, guys, listen, I woke you up the first time. You fell asleep. Hey, hey I, I woke you up the, this time. And I said, Okay, listen, you watch. I, I still need you to watch. Can you watch? Just Just watch. And now I want you to watch and pray. I'll give you something else to do. I want you to stay in communication with God the Father and say, God, please give me victory over this flesh. Please give me the ability to pay attention to the things the Lord wants me to pay attention to. Can you just help me here at this time? Now I want you to watch and Jesus goes to be with the Father, trusting that his disciples are back there. His closest ones are there watching and praying. He goes to the Father yet again. And Jesus returns. From the second trip, verse number 43. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. They failed him again. 
Yet again, he was, he was trusting on him. He, he brought him here for this purpose. He brought them close to him. He had special plans for them. Hey, I want you to watch with me. You weren't able to do that. Okay, watch and pray. I need you here. I want you here. This is where you need to be. Can you watch? Can you pray for just a little bit? The Bible doesn't tell us how long Jesus stayed gone this time. We don't know how long he was gone the second time. Maybe it was an hour again. Maybe it was a couple hours. Maybe it was three or four hours. Maybe they, if they're like us, maybe they made it past the one hour mark and they said, okay, he's not coming back. It has been 62 minutes. The Lord is not back yet. He asked us to watch and pray. He mentioned something about we weren't able to do it for an hour last time. I meet the minimum requirement. That's it. I'm going to bed. That's only if they're like us. But he returns again after giving that second commandment. And his best disciples are asleep again. They couldn't wait they couldn't watch, and their prayers ceased to grant them the victory over the heavy eyes of the flesh. But notice this, this time the Lord comes back, first time he wakes them up and he kind of reprimands them. And he says, listen guys, Peter, come on. You're my right hand man, you're, you're the one, you're my go-to guy, you're asleep. Peter, it was just, just one hour, can you watch one hour? And he, he couldn't do it. And this time the Lord comes back, though, and he, he sees them sleeping again. He's like, I, I told them to watch, I told them to pray, and they're sleeping. He doesn't kick them awake. He doesn't say, come on, Peter, you're ridiculous, that's it, let me beat you a little bit or something. You know, he, he doesn't do any of that. This time, he lets them sleep. You notice that? He let them sleep. They did not know that Jesus had ever came back. If he, didn't, if he didn't tell them later, they wouldn't have known. There was no reprimand. There was no correction. There was no new commandment. Jesus allowed them to sleep and did not include them in his plans to go to the Father again. They let him down too many times. And so I don't, I don't know which is worse, the reprimand or just letting him sleep. I would rather get the reprimand from Jesus and give the opportunity to do something for him again than for him to come back after too many disappointments and saying, why did I even bring you this far? Why did I ask you to come this far with me if all you're going to do is sleep? I'm just, uh, I'll just, two times I come back and now you're, you're sleeping again. I'll, I'll just let you sleep. What a horrible thought. Remember, this, this is the best three disciples. These are the best ones he's got. Number eight, I want you to notice this. So unbeknownst to the sleeping three, Jesus goes up a third time to pray to the Father in verse number 44. Uh, it says that he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. This time Jesus had no support from his disciples. It's only him and God the Father. Remember, Jesus is now sorrowful and very heavy alone. They're, they're not willing to be there with him. The ones he trusted most don't care. They're asleep. At least the first two trips up to speak with the Father, Jesus had his best disciples watching and praying, at least for part of the time. This time, he didn't even bother to wake them. Then we have Jesus returning for the final time. Look at verse 45. 
Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Then obviously some, some time passes between verse 45 and 46. Because in verse 46 he says, Rise, let us be going, behold, it is at hand. Uh, he is at hand that doth betray me. So he lets them sleep. I don't, I'm wondering if they even heard him. He comes back again from the third time. And he goes, okay, listen guys, y'all go ahead and get your rest. We've got a big day tomorrow. We've got a lot of things going on. You sleep on now, but I won't leave you asleep. Jesus comes back and I believe he just whispers it to his slumbering disciples. Then we see this in verse 46. Rise, let us be going. Behold, it is at hand. He is at hand that doth betray me. Once it's time for the big event, once, it time, once it's time for everything to take place, Jesus wakes up his sleeping disciples. He didn't wake them up with a reprimand or a complaint. He did not leave them sleeping so that they'd miss out and say, okay, listen, you followed me for three and a half years, but now it's, it's time for the big event. I'm just going to let you sleep here since you've forsaken me here in my last hour. Whenever I came to you heavy and needful and asking you to do something for me, now you're on your own. Now, I, now I'm, I'm getting rid of you. He doesn't do any of that. He forgave their disobedience, their tiredness, and their uneventful prayer life and their fleshly nature. He said, okay, listen, that's, that's fine. Okay, guys, get up. It's time to go. He was not going to let him miss out on the enormous event that was to follow. You say, why are you telling us this? Because there's another monumental event on the horizon. There's one that can happen just any day. There's one that Jesus expects his very best disciples to watch for. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You might want to keep a marker there. But turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are at the dawn of another monumental event that could take place, Lord willing, even at night. That'd be great. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, look at verse 1. The Bible says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Notice it's not talking about destruction coming to us. The destruction is coming to them. Who's the them? The non-believers. Those that are not in Christ Jesus. Verse number four. But ye, brethren... Brothers, right? We're, we're adopted in the family of God. We're brothers. We're sisters in Christ. Here we go. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now we got Jesus Christ. Right now he has gone to the Father. Right now he is one-on-one -on -one with God the Father. He's got a plan of coming back again. And he's telling us now, he's telling his church, he's telling his people, you need to watch. 
You need to be on lookout. I'm gone for a little bit, but I'm coming back again. Pay attention. Watch. Therefore, verse 6, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. This next monumental event is the rapture of the church. Praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to it. We are given more details about this, uh, about the rapture in the previous chapter to this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's read it, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. These sleepers are dead. These did not wake up. These are the ones like Jesus whenever he came back the second time and found them asleep and just said, Okay, you know, I'm going to let them sleep. Let me go on and do my business. I'll come back again. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He left none of his disciples behind. You realize Peter, James, and John, even when they were sleeping, there was a time where he says, rise up, here we go. You know, it's time to go. He didn't just take the three. He didn't just take the three that were there. He took all 11 with them. Why? He wasn't going to let any of them miss out on the event. Verse number 16, uh, 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, which, uh, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Jesus Christ is coming back himself. He's coming back to wake us up, wake up those that are sleeping, to get those that are supposed to be watching, and says, okay guys, come on, we're going to the Father. It's been long enough, you've been waiting, you've been tarrying, come on, it's time to go, praise the Lord. Then verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another, with these words. Jesus is coming back from spending time with the Father. He's coming back personally. The question is, what kind of disciples is he coming back to? Are we going to be watching the way we're supposed to be watching? As children of the day, not children of the night. As children of the light, not children of the darkness. What are we going to be doing? How are we going to be found whenever the Lord comes back? He's been up there for a while, but he's coming back to take us with him. We don't want to miss out on what's happening. He doesn't want us to miss out on what's happening. Do you realize whenever he comes back for his bride, he's coming back for every born-again believer, saved or dead. It doesn't matter really how you lived your life. It only matters whether or not you accepted Jesus Christ. He's coming back for all of them. 
He's coming back not just for the three that are close. He's not coming back just for those that are awake. He's not coming back for just the faithful ones that are watching like they're supposed to. He's not just coming back for the ones that are praying like they ought to. He's coming back for every single person who has ever called on Jesus Christ for salvation. He's bringing them back dead or alive. It doesn't matter if you've fallen asleep that's dead in Christ. It doesn't matter if you've been living in the flesh. It doesn't matter if you've not been watching or praying. If you're one of his, he will not leave you behind. Amen. But it will mean a lot to you, and it will mean a lot to Jesus, what you're doing while he's away. Amen. The rapture should not be a surprise to us. First Thessalonians 5.4 but ye, brethren, are not in darkness. He's given us the light of his word. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The question is, are you ready for the rapture? Listen, not all Christians are close enough to Jesus to know what's going on. There are plenty of them out there, and it's just a sign of the times. We've talked about that a little bit. But there's plenty of people in the church, vast majority, that whenever the Lord has a big event coming, he leaves some of them pretty far away and says, Listen, you guys are not, are not as close to me as the ones I'm going to show a little more. A majority of Christianity today, most, of, most people who are saved but not really living a whole lot like they're supposed to, the Lord leaves them back further away and says, listen, you eight guys, you stay here. I'm going to take Peter, James, and John with me. And he's going to bring them closer. He's going to open himself up to them. He's going to say, listen, the times are close. Listen, this world's turning its back on me. The days are getting short. Uh, men are lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. This is the signs of the times. Here's what it's going to be like. Let me show you what's going on in my world. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to watch. I don't want you to fall asleep. I want you to watch. Don't take a cat nap. It's time to pray. He said, I, I, I want you on your toes. Why? Because I don't want to go and come back and find you sleeping. I don't want you snoozing when you should be watching. Not all Christians are ready for the rapture. They, they don't know enough about Jesus to know he can come back today. That doesn't mean they're not saved. It means they're not ready. This is a Sunday night crowd. Most of you, if not all of you, know that Jesus is coming back. You know that it could be today, and hopefully you're living lives in preparation for his return. Because you know sometime he's going to come back from the Father. And am I going to be sleeping, or am I going to be faithful, watching, and praying like he's asked me to do? Are you ready? Can Jesus trust you enough to say, watch with me? We can watch with his word. We can sit there and line up the things, the events that are going on today and say, boy, we're getting close. It's almost time. What are we doing? Watching with him. You say, oh, I can't believe people are the way that they are. Then you start reading the Bible and you say, this is exactly what the Lord said is going to be. 
You know, you read par, par, uh, portions of scripture like Romans chapter 1 and, and you see how we got into the moral mess that we are in now because people did not, uh, they did not retain God in their knowledge. They become vain and they become proud and all these different things mentioned there in Romans chapter 1. And what, what are you doing? You're watching with the Lord. You're saying this is exactly what's happening. How do I know? Because he told me. He brought me closer to, me, to him and he showed me these things. If Jesus was to come back tonight, would he find you sleeping? Would he find you comfortable in the flesh, but neglecting the spirit? That's what the problem was. What do you need to do? You say, oh, I, got a, I got an awful bad problem about being in my flesh. I like to please my body. I like to do things that are comfortable. I don't, I don't like witness and I don't like worrying about too many different things because I feel uncomfortable. What do you need to do? Pray that you enter not into temptation. Watch and pray. Say, Lord, I want to be comfortable. Lord, I, I want to rest and relax. Lord, I, this, the Spirit says I should witness. The Spirit says I, I should tell people about Jesus Christ. The Spirit says I should live in a way that I, I could be proud of if the Lord was to come back right now. He would say, good down, good, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I, I, could, I could feel good about the Lord coming back right now. That's what the Spirit says, but the flesh says, oh, it's been so long. The Spirit says, but... He didn't tell us it's going to be an hour. I gave him 40 minutes. Well, you were short. What happened? He told us he's going away, but he didn't tell us when he's coming back. No man knoweth the hour of the time. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. If Jesus was coming back tonight, would he find you sleeping? Would he find you comfortable in the flesh but weak in the spirit? Let me ask you this. Has he revealed enough of himself to you over the years to say what? Could you not watch with me one hour? If you've been saved for a, a long amount of time, for a decent amount of time, if you've been reading your Bible, if you've read it through completely, if, if you've been trying to grow in the Lord and you've been exposing yourself to the word of God and just soaking this book up, he's got some expectations of you. He's not going to leave you back with the eight that are saved, praise the Lord, but uh, not close. He's going to say, come on, I, I got a little extra for you. I've given you my word. I've given you a good church. I've given you people in your lives that have, that have helped you grow spiritually. I've, I've given you so much. I've, I've got this for you. I've brought you along further than most Christians. And I've set you here with a job to do, to watch and to pray and to prepare for me coming back. Are you going to be ready? Or are you going to be weary? Can he even say to you, could you not watch with me one hour? Jesus didn't walk past the three that were asleep and go back to the eight and say, Come on, guys, why aren't you watching and praying? He didn't ask them to watch and pray. He asked the three close ones to watch and pray. He, he wasn't going to step over the ones that he had the most expectation of and sit there and reprimand the ones that he didn't call closer to himself. But we've got the King James Bible. We, we've got a church that still meets several times a week. We've got the old hymns that glorify Jesus Christ. We've got the standards that are lined up with the Bible and not with the world. We've got things that the Lord has put in our lives to have expectations from us 
because he's given us more. Not because we're special, but because he's just showed more things to us. If you're close to him, Jesus has expectations of you. The problem arises when you let him down enough that he just lets you sleep. One of those times when Jesus came back, you know, first time he said, watch with me, he comes back there sleeping. At least he woke him up and said, watch and pray. Then he leaves again. What happened? He comes back again and he lets them sleep. What happened? He gave them so much. He entrusted them so much. He opened up himself to them. He gave them extra privileges and and responsibilities, expectations. They let him down again, and he just lets them sleep. Have you let him down enough that he just lets you sleep now? He used to show you things out of the Bible. He used to just thrill your soul. But now you've... You've, you've fallen asleep on him so many times, he just said, well, if you're that tired, why don't you go ahead and sleep? Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. And look at verse 3. Here's the attitude of most people that used to be very spiritual, used to be very close followers of Jesus Christ. They, church used to be important to them. Jesus used to be important to them. But what happened? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. What's that? They're listening to their bodies. They're following the flesh. Verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. What happens is our flesh starts speaking to us and starts screaming out and saying, if Jesus hadn't come back yet, he must not be coming back. I expected something else. He used to show me some things. I used to be growing. I used to be close to him. But then he he went ahead and I hadn't seen him in so long that I, I just don't think he's coming back now. I've had people in my life tell me, well, they've always talked about Jesus coming back, but he hadn't come back in my lifetime. He hadn't come back yet. So that means he's not coming back. What happened? They fell asleep. The Lord said, watch, and they said, I'm tired. The Lord said, pray, and they said, I'm tempted. What's your attitude about the rapture? What's your attitude about Jesus coming back? Are you awake? Are you asleep? Are you living in the flesh or are you living in the spirit? Look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Let's pick it up in verse 42. Do you know why the Lord doesn't tell us what day he's coming back? Because that would be the day that he'd get faithfulness out of his followers. That's the day they would set their alarm for and say, well, he's coming back in an hour. I'm setting it for 57 minutes. So whenever he comes back, I can perk up and be like, oh, I sure had a great prayer time, Lord. I, I was watching you the whole time. I saw whenever you were praying and everything. That was great, Lord. I'm so glad you came back. Aren't you proud of me? But instead he says, no, listen, you're not going to know. Matthew 24, 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, 
that if the good men of the house had known at what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. When is Jesus Christ coming back? When you don't expect Him to. When your eyes are heavy. Whenever you get tired. Whenever you're not seeing the results that you thought you'd see. Whenever you get tired of saying, well, He's shown me more than most people. I know more than most Christians, but I hadn't seen Him in a little bit. When's He coming back? About the time that your eyes start dropping. And by the time you start start falling asleep. You ever fall asleep in your chair and you wake up by your own snores? Huh, huh. Look up. Uh, I, I was watching that, you know. <laughs> uh, dads, dads have got it down. Fall asleep with the remote in their hand and everything. And once everybody looks over at him, they say, "He's asleep. He's been snoring for five minutes. He's asleep. I can get that remote." And they go over there and they sneak real close. And and once that remote remote moves, you hear, "Oh, I was watching that. You were not. <laughs> what are you doing, acting like a Christian these last days? Once Jesus comes up, you know what's going to happen." He's going to come back. You hear the trumpet sound. Oh! <laughs> Quick, turn the channel. <laughs> Hi, Lord. <laughs> How are you doing? Can I clear my browser history? <sighs> are you going to be found faithful? He's coming back when it seems like he's not coming back. He's given us enough clues to know, hey, here's what the world's going to be like whenever I come back. Here's what the last days are going to be like. And every one of them describes today. And the thing is, it's described today for the last couple decades, for the last several decades. And you know what, what, what's happening? Children are getting, or children, Christians are getting tired. Christians are getting weary. Our eyes are getting heavy. What do you need to be reminded of? Watch! He's coming. Watch! There's temptation. Watch! You need to be praying. Why? Because once your eyes close, that's when he's going to come back. Is he going to find any faithful? You've got to keep your eyes open. You don't want to miss this. You're not going to be left behind because you weren't awake and watching. You get to go with them, but you get to go with them with some shame. To say, man, if I knew he was coming back today, I really would have cleaned this up. If I knew he was coming back today, I really would have witnessed to my neighbor down the street. If I knew he was coming back today, I would have forced that conversation with that coworker that I've been putting off. If I knew he was coming back today, I sure would have made this week count a lot more for Jesus Christ. I sure wish I would have done more with my life for Jesus Christ. If I knew he was coming back today, how awake would you be? What would you be doing? We, we get excited about the Lord coming back and we say, praise the Lord, he can come back today. I hope he does. You hope he does because you're saved. What about your neighbor that's not saved? The one that you've been putting off talking to. They, they're hoping he doesn't come back today. They don't know it yet, but they're hoping he doesn't come back today. Why? Because if, they come back, if he comes back today, there's a good chance they're just dying and going to hell in the tribulation. There's so many people not going to make it through that thing, and it's so much harder to get saved during the tribulation than it is right now whenever all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ. But you know what we want to do? They live all the way at the other end of my street. Don't you know how busy I am? And they're all the way over there. They're not even friendly. They've never talked to me. 
And then, trumpet sounds. Oh, Lord. Oh, I wish I could have. I wish I did. But what happened? You're asleep. Jesus expects more of us. He showed us more. We've got the Word of God. We've got a reason to hope that He's coming back. We know He's coming back for us. He's already said, listen, I'm coming back, and I'm not coming back to punish. I'm not coming back to reprimand you. He said, I'm coming back to get you because you're not going to miss this. The question is, what are you going to be doing when He comes back? If the trumpet sounded right now, what is it that you wish you would have done? You know what the Lord did to get my attention? About, I guess, eight or nine years ago now, I started looking in that Bible and I started seeing what the Bible says the last days were going to be like. And I said, oh, that's today. That's today. And you know what else I found out? That made me realize the time is short. He could come back right now. And what would my life count? And then, if that wasn't bad enough, if that wasn't enough motivation, then the Lord started showing me things about the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah, he's taken me away, but that's not when it all ends. After we get taken away, after the rapture of the church, after we get out of this wicked, horrible world, that's whenever we get to go before Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, at the judgment seat of Christ, and give an account for everything that we've done in this body. And we get to give him all of our wonderful excuses as to why we didn't. Whenever you're telling yourself, here's why I don't have to, or here's why I still have plenty of time, or this is why I'm not doing it today, or it it would be more difficult to do it. Whatever excuse you keep telling yourself, see if that's an excuse that you want to stand before the throne of glory and tell Jesus Christ, Lord, here's why I didn't do that for you. I was tired. The game was on. I had a headache. What's your excuse going to be? What's going to be worthy of telling him, Lord, I would have watched, but I sure was sleepy. I would have prayed, but I had a long night. What's your excuse going to be? How are you going to be found when he comes back? He's coming again. He's going to be back. He said, watch. He tells us to. 1 Thessalonians 5.1 But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You know he's going to come when you don't expect him to. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Let us, therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Lord's coming back. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. Could be 20 years from now. We don't know when he's coming back. But he's going to come back when you don't expect it.